Hello, and welcome to another episode of Talking About Music with Friends. My name is Brendan Michael Brady. I'm Blake Allen Harms, and this week we welcome Sierra Faith Wisemudio. I guess we're just giving our full legal names. <laughs> yeah, is there, a, is there a hyphen in there? There is. I'm like testing it out. The I like hyphen. it. I I like the hyphen. I think it's distinguished. I really like it. I always said like, oh, I'm ne- I would never change my last name. I'd never give up my last name. And then there's something about being in an interracial relationship that I'm like, feels weird to keep my white last name and not take like the family <laughs> name. And in Mexico, my husband, Emilio, his family's from Mexico. And that's like tradition there is you just add a name. And then you like pass both names on your kids and they like drop one and add another one. So everyone has two last names. I'm like, that's cool. Like, why doesn't everyone do that? I think that's really cool. Yeah, I think that that makes a lot of sense. And sometimes people don't like their last names. So yeah, adding another makes it sound even cooler. So welcome. Welcome to the show. Uh, Longtime friend Sierra Wise. Uh, We met back at uh, Utah State, I believe in 2017 during US-USA elections. (laughs) So thanks for coming on the show. you know, you have a really cool um, clothing line that you that you run and do, and uh, maybe we can talk about that a little later as well because I think it's super cool. Um, but current event wise, this week in music, we we kind of talked about Taylor Swift's re-records on the last show, um, and you had mentioned that you loved them and that they're very nostalgic for you. So, what did you think of the re-record album? Yeah, I think for me, I just, I definitely like listened to Taylor Swift in high school and then definitely went through a very insufferable, not like other girls phase where I thought I was too cool to listen to Taylor Swift. And luckily I'm over that. I'm like just a normal human again, who acknowledges that it's not uncool to like things. You can just like whatever you want and that's cool, but it's been cool to like revisit it and listen to those songs as a re-record um just because it like it brings back the memories of like where I was in high school you know and like the relationships or like imagined relationships I was upset over like listening to Taylor Swift and now being like as a 26 year old like dang like if I could just go back and tell my high school self like it's gonna be okay like that guy that you're worried about you're literally not gonna remember his name 10 years from now like it's fine like you don't have to be so stressed did you like any of the songs that came out of the vault or should they have stayed in the vault let me pull up which one I really like let me pull up my Spotify real quick and see Mm -hmm. and while you're pulling that up I just think it's funny that she used the word vault because (laughs) because I think it's like a Disney term right I'd always knew Disney had like this mysterious vault that they'd pull out that's what I'm thinking of was like I guess that tracks with Taylor Swift's like giant brand yeah that she's just got a vault (laughs) yep let me see honestly all the ones that I have saved are originals I liked all of the stuff from the vault and it's interesting to see what her new stuff is and I always think that's interesting too to see like what lands on the cutting room floor for people for artists you know oh yeah I mean and and for our listeners Sierra is an artist so of a different genre of medium uh, medium thank you (laughs) 
<laughs> so my point was like you uh is it similar for you to like do you have a cutting room floor or is that not a good metaphor for the art you're doing oh no I definitely have a cutting room floor I definitely have a lot of stuff that's like never made it to my shop that's never been posted or even like because a lot of what I do is focused around like flipping existing pieces of clothing and like making them new again sometimes things are trial and error and like sometimes it just doesn't work there's been a lot of times because I do screen printing not a lot of times but there's been plenty of times as a screen printer that I'll print on something and because it's like a vintage piece or a secondhand piece I'm like looking at it I'm like this is definitely cotton like we're good to go and then I put it under a heat lamp and it just like completely warps and shrivels and I'm like ah polyester like I should have adjusted my heat setting (laughs) that always sucks but it's it's a process too well make sure to keep a vault or whatever term you want to use for your future (laughs) well I mean even you think about like Levi's I think Levi's has like a vault collection like the stuff that like Levi Strauss himself worked on (laughs) (laughs) so you can have a, a Femme Cal vault um that'll be a good marketing excuse to like run a run a marketing campaign Dang, maybe um, i do have some leftover pieces so maybe i'll have a vault sale and it'll just be an yeah, inside joke that only people who have listened to this podcast will understand what that is yeah it's coming out of the vaults for the first time in six months <laughs> greatly anticipated um speaking of new releases uh a bunch of artists said that they were going to release some new stuff uh, i saw the black keys blake you said that you saw um, you know speaking of taylor swift she's she's got something coming out with bon Iver. Um mm-hmm. any other ones that you were interested in yeah uh a couple that i have see here listed from the thread on the way you mentioned the black keys um, Arcade Fire has a new 45-minute song for a meditation app, which is, you know, surprising. That's gripping. And then uh, a couple of covers also. So our favorite Fiona Apple covers a Sharon Van Eaton song, Love More. So there's a, yeah, lots lots of uh, pandemic new work coming out. Yeah, stuff's, <laughs> stuff's coming out. Um, Sierra Wise, during the pandemic... What have you been listening to? For some people, the pandemic is over. I think that uh, on this podcast, we're probably all taking it pretty seriously and and still hold up in our our hollers with our our records and our Spotify on repeat. So, what have you been listening to throughout quarantine? Have you discovered anything new? Have you uh, returned back to old favorites? What's been the What's been the musical vibe in in core? That's a good question. For me, one of the last, well, not one of the last things, but one of the last like big events that I went to that's memorable and that sticks out in my mind where I was like in a crowd and not worried before quarantine hit was I went to a Florence and the Machine concert, which was like an out-of-body experience. It was so cool. And like, she's so cool. And I'm a long time Florence Welsh fan. I am obsessed with everything she does. And she's like a, an extremely lovely person, which also just feels so good to like support artists like that. And so I went, I 
have just been listening to a lot of Florence and the Machine and I think that a part of it is like holding on to those memories of like that connectedness that you feel at a concert and being able to kind of relive that a little bit in moments when it's felt so long and so isolating so she's consistently my top artist on Spotify year after year and I'd imagine that like it will still be that way this year but I think especially like with quarantine it just feels comforting feels like I'm just listening hanging out with an old friend Florence yeah and her sound is very full like very I don't want to say witchy it's very like I don't know not even whimsical like her sound is it is very like warm and inviting I think so I think that that's a great pandemic listen I haven't listened to her in a long time so I'm gonna have to listen to her after we get off this she has like a perfect um, album for every vibe because like lungs sounds so different than like ceremonials and like sounds so different than as high as hope but i've been listening to as high as hope the most it's also her only album that she's ever written sober and oh, so wow. it's there's like a lot of she has a lot of trauma in her life if you like read her life story and so i think you like hear that in that album and i think that that also has resonated with a year that's been like beautiful and hard listen to an album that's like beautiful and also dealing with hard things wow how poetic <laughs> that's yeah, a very sorry, good I went point to art school, so <laughs> <laughs> you to, I, it's it's it comes through a little too much you went to art school at a state school <laughs> which is a whole experience <laughs> yes very very unique um blake you went to communication school at a state school what have you been listening to this week uh, I have been listening to Stephon Stevens' new synth, like orchestration that he put together, and there's there are five move or ten movements, um, and they're all just numbered in order. So it's very different than all of his narrative things so far, but it's it's so interesting because it's just it's just like it sounds just like an orchestra, but it's through a computer, and it's not with strings. It's with like a synth and a whole bunch of computer instruments but it sounds like the meditation 45 minute meditation song from arcade fire that we i haven't heard <laughs> like like how i imagine that to be that's what i meant <laughs> so yeah i I've, i really enjoyed it it's different it's completely different yeah it sounds what? ethereal for sure oh very ethereal which is yeah. uh that's pretty much how I uh, got through the vacation school. <laughs> Just a big long float. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Which, by well, that I mean, by that I mean. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, what do you mean? No what do you explain. mean by that? <laughs> no need to explain. All that. right. Um. Well, this week I've been listening to uh, an artist called CFCF. Uh, I think last week. I mentioned that I have a Spotify radio show that I really like. Um, it's called How Long Gone Radio. And they have been a big proponent of this guy named CFCF. He's like an electronic artist. And he just put out an album called Memory Land. And I really liked it. Best tracks are Life is Perfecto, Model Castings, Night slash Day slash Work slash Home, and Self Service 1999. Um, it's like pretty straightforward electronic music. I wouldn't say it's like EDM, but it's it's just really good quality music. 
Um, then I listened to the two new singles from Salt Lake City native uh, Rip Momney. I've never listened to them, but I saw that they put out two new songs and one of them was with an artist that I really have enjoyed listening to um, who put out a record this year. Their name is Claude um, and they Rip Momney has a song with them called Set the Table that I thought was really good. So you know, Rip Mommy, if you happen to listen to this, I think your name is really funny and we should hang out because, you know, Salt Lake City. <laughs> um, I bet we don't live too far away from each other. But anyways, uh, now that we've talked about what we are currently listening to, uh, what's what's on our Spotify on repeat, we're going to talk about the the subject of our podcast today. Sierra Wise chose a great album uh, from the Japanese house called Good at Falling, came out in 2019. Uh, We have done this for Album Club. I know that we've probably mentioned Album Club a few times on this podcast, but it was a really fun album to dig into. And I had never listened to the Japanese house before, and it was like incredible. I have had this album on repeat for like the six months or however long it's been since we did that for album club so sierra wise um do you want to do you want to maybe fill us in on kind of the background of the album i know that there we talked in the pre-show this is kind of an album about um death and loss and maybe a little bit of rebirth and love so maybe if you want to give us uh, some background on the album background on the japanese house as an artist and uh maybe maybe a little bit about your relationship with the album. So please take it away. Yeah. Let me pull this up because I suddenly forgot um, the name of the singer. Okay. Amber Bain. For some reason, I was going to say Amber Brain. You can cut that out. I was going to say Amber Amber Brain, Brain. like Emma Brain, but her sister Amber. (laughs) I don't know why I feel like that was the right answer. No. So the, um, the singer of the Japanese house is a, at the time of the recording of this album, 19-year-old British woman named Amber Bain. And her, at the time that she first started recording and that she first started working with the 1975 because they produced the Japanese house, she was trying to be kind of ambiguous and she didn't want to have her identity tied to it, but it just got to be too complicated. And so she came forward as like, yeah, I'm the singer, but she has a very kind of like um androgynous sound to her music which I like because I feel like it's easy for anyone to kind of like step in to like her narrative as she's singing and kind of feel that music and feel it kind of carry her through carry them through the narrative that it has but she started originally writing this album um shortly after her partner her girlfriend at the time was killed in a riptide Um, which is just such a crazy freak accident Um, and then as she's processing that grief and that loss she started writing this album and then she met a woman they started dating and she thought that the arc of the album would be like loss and grief and sadness and then kind of this happy ending Um, but then that relationship ended as well so it's interesting because you feel the album kind of gear up for a happy ending and it kind of ends on this melancholy note which is why it's titled Good at Falling, because in an interview she talked about how she feels like kind of the moral of the story with this album 
is that like as you fall in love as you have these relationships like there's really no guarantee that that's going to work out like life could happen someone could die you could like relationships end things end but her big lesson that she took from this was that she learned that like she's good at falling in love and so she can like find solace in that that like no matter what happens like maybe relationships will end maybe things are temporary but there's always that opportunity for like another shot like another try which I thought was interesting so it's an album that's like at times pretty dark and pretty sad but it's also like got these kind of like ribbons of hope that run through it that I think it's an interesting and very like human real story that it tells yeah I totally agree and one of those like human real ribbons that you're talking about I think is maybe you're the reason um, a, a favorite song of mine, and I'll probably talk about this a lot, but I love the drums throughout the album so much. And you mentioned that the 1975 helped, helped produce this record. Um, I believe that their drummer probably did all of the drums on this, and I, I like their drummer. His name is escaping me at the moment. But yeah, the there are some more morose like topics on this album. But there are also some songs that just like kind of make me smile <laughs> or are a little bit more upbeat and maybe kind of out of left field from what you would expect. Because like I had never heard of the Japanese house. I had never really listened to them. And the when I listened to this, it was like, yeah, they they like the Japanese house kind of sounds like the 1975. Some of the songwriting is similar. Like I can really, really jive with this. Blake, what did you think of the album? Yeah, I, I I also noticed the drums on the album and I noticed a lot of like the, the underlying beats and all that. That was so good. Um, but I always love a good depressing, like think through grief. And I just like the metaphor of falling too. Like that's what I kept thinking about over and over again. It's like, well, why does it have to be falling? Like, well, why did you choose that? You know, like lots of kind of, I kind of thought about it in a rhetorical way and so I that's what I was interested in too um but yeah I, I think that the songs that stuck with me um were like just like you I loved the maybe you're the reason um I really liked the intro for some reason went to meet her um and I I think hey, I, I do just, too <laughs> you do oh great okay. <laughs> yeah, I think sorry, I like it so much because it's the most no 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 i I am glad we do because because the first song on the album are usually like the thesis for whatever it's and I don't see I'm not seeing the connection between the first song and the rest and so maybe I could tap into some of Sierra's hard-fought knowledge about the album to kind of make some connections for me. So like, longesting like chaotic beat with some simple lyrics. Um, something's wrong. Stop! You're gonna run, ruin it by leaving it too long. Stop! It's gonna play out like a scene. It does. It always does. Stop! Right. So like, I get that it's very broad, but like, I guess sonically, it doesn't sound like the rest of the album. 
and I just maybe projected that onto the lyrics because I guess those have something to do. But yeah, Sierra. Yeah, that's a good question. I always thought that. Or Brendan. I always interpreted that, and this is just my own interpretation. I have no idea, but the the song that leads right after that is maybe you're the reason. So I always interpreted that as like Amber talking about the period of her life before she met like her second girlfriend um, and just that chaos and the grief. And like, I think of times in my life when I've been grieving something and this is even something that like they study in psychology, but it's almost like there's memory loss that takes place. Like when you're processing like deep grief and loss, it's like everything feels discombobulated. Everything feels chaotic and that to me is like what the intro reminds me of is just kind of like these it's like the words the lyrics are sad you know and it's like this crying out and the sound surrounding it is really like fuzzy and it's kind of hard to read and then it immediately leads into like this kind of upbeat more kind of like a pop traditional song and I think that that's intentional and I think that like my interpretation would be that that's probably the reason it's trying to capture kind of like what do they call it in books i'm just totally blanking like the press the, uh, the prologue the prologue yes the prologue of the story yeah, yeah and, and i kind of read it too uh, cool. like i your, like that read yeah and i kind of read it too is like you're entering into her like not her dream but her experiences and like an album I think that does this well is the Bleachers album from 2017 where it starts out I think the first track is uh, like dreaming of Mickey Mantle or something like that and it sounds kind of disjointed and like discombobulated and it sounds not real and I think that that's probably like that's how I look at the first track of this album like you know, we're kind of entering into her space and this is her, this is her intro to us. So it, it like the transition of us just like existing and then like listening to her music, maybe that's a little, maybe it just sounds a little different. And also the last song, I Saw You in a Dream. Um, spoiler, it's the only song I don't like on the album. <laughs> Whoa. I don't know why. I, um, I like the tune. I just think it's kind of boring. But every other song I i mess with hard do you do you like acoustic covers brendan typically or is that something you don't like um i think they're fine i think that they have their place like when i think about like okay. um landslide by fleetwood mac like i i i don't want to say that i just like it's not like um i think that that's a probably an easy criticism is to say like oh the song that like excuse me has the least uh like instruments and the kind of most simple songwriting like oh that's the song I don't like the most but I mean I like the tune and I think that it's very catchy and I I just don't know if it like jives with me I don't like the other songs I like on this album because they're so full and there's so much going on and it all fits so well together so maybe that's the reason maybe that's the reason (laughs) <laughs> maybe that's the reason um wow i can't believe i, just I did uh sorry blake go ahead no no i just so so if sierra's right and the prologue 
the first song reads is like the chaos right before the like as the grief is starting to set in can I read the rest of the album as like a grief process yeah is that how you see it oh I thought you were about to do a psychoanalysis for me and be like all right stages of grief we can see her here I thought this (laughs) well I can I can talk through the stages yeah yeah let's tag team because I could talk through those but I don't know if it <laughs> if it like actually I mean I don't need to lecture you on that because you know you're an expert so I just wondered if you see it that way in the in the songs like does it is the is there denial I think we talk all the time is probably denial yeah because it's she's kind of saying like well we talk all the time so it's fine but then in in mm-hmm. other parts of the song, it's like we don't physically love each other anymore. We don't, uh, you know, have intercourse or we don't like, you know, it's kind of falling apart, but we talk all the time. So that's like, that's the, that I do think that that's funny because that's like <laughs> when you ask people like, oh, what are the steps to a good relationship? It's always like the most canned answers, like communication. And it's just like, it's a very broad term. Down, which I think is bad advice personally, but you know. Oh, yeah. So much bad like, advice. <laughs> yeah, like we we talk all the time, so it should be fine. Like we're doing everything right. But it's like, no, you're you're not. If you're just talking to talk, that mm-hmm. doesn't achieve the same goal as actual, you know, interpersonal communication. So I think that, that is probably her her denial. Mm. Yeah, yeah that's really good. I don't know the other stages. Well, right, right. And but, I was going to I was going to say like the, yeah, like there's a lot of denial, there's a lot of like depression. There's a lot of um there's even acceptance on the album. I don't see a lot of anger. There's bargaining, but I don't see a lot of anger on the album. I so maybe that's just not part of her process. And I also think this is just my own bias. This is my feminist soapbox. Okay. But I think that anger isn't an emotion that's extended to women in the same way that it is to men. Like, mm. I think that as women, anger is often like weaponized against us. And you really don't want to be perceived as like an angry woman, you know, or like flying mm-hmm. into a fit of rage or like, it's really easy to have that, that blame like shifted to you. I think prime examples of this are like anytime when you like see a a female CEO and everyone's like oh she's just a bitch you know or like you see women running for office it's like oh she's too emotional or what if she's hysterical and so I think like there could be anger laced throughout this album but I think for women it's just like a careful dance with anger and the way that we're like allowed Mm -hmm. to show that is so different than men Mm. yeah and I would agree and yeah good point I think that she kind of shows I think she kind of shows like not anger but frustration on you seem so happy and I have in my notes here like it sounds like a super modern emo punk song and I could totally see a band like Yellow Card or Red Jumpsuit Apparatus making a version of this song in like 2007 after like a frustrating breakup like well you seem so happy like why didn't it work out like I don't know if it's necessarily anger that she's portraying but maybe a level of frustration and yeah I think that you're totally right Sierra she's kind of like reserving it because she's 
kind of masking her emotions in her like satirical or, or ironic songwriting like even the title good at falling or um what's the what is the lyric on follow my girl like uh watching my world make funny faces at its own reflection like she's able to laugh at herself and maybe that's how she takes out most of her anger and her frustration mm-hmm. because that's how she's been taught to cope as a as a as a modern woman that is yeah I think that's a really great point and I think for Amber as well like I'm not a part of the LGBTQ community but she is and I think that that's another level of like intersecting identity that I think is really felt in this album and that I'm sure also really defined like her grieving process with losing that first relationship that she had to a death and then also processing like moving into another relationship from my mm. friends who are a part of the LGBTQ community. And excuse me, cause I'm now like speaking for a community I'm not a part of, but I'm just quoting <laughs> like what my friends who are a part of the community have told me is that I remember one of my friends told me that he felt like coming out and having his first relationships with another man felt like a second puberty for him. Because it's like all of that kind mm. of like socialization that you get in like middle school with like flirting and passing notes and those kinds of relationships for certain people who maybe are in like highly conservative religions or communities or things where things aren't accepted or they don't recognize that aspect of themselves for a while um that you kind of have to go through that later in life and that there's some like learning curves and some awkwardness as you like step into that role and come out and I know that for her in interviews that she's had, she talks about that that level of identity and how that impacts relationships. So another another aspect of grief that I've heard or just been reading some new scholarship on um, is that a lot of scholars are incorporating meaning or meaning making into like the grief process. And, and I think that this album captures that perfectly. And I just wonder like, what what is what are some of the new meanings that she's discovered? for her life through this loss like the big one from the top was as Sierra said is like she's really good at falling in love and can do that again like that's a new piece of our identity that she's now incorporated and is now amplifying to the masses you know which is such a cool piece to have her you know own but I just wonder what other kinds of meanings she's sharing yeah um I'm looking at the lyrics on Lilo and verse one starts out with, I needed someone to depend upon. I was alone. I was emotional, searching for the right emoticon to expand my mental lexicon. I think that um, like some meaning that she, and this kind of plays along with like the falling in love part. Like I think that she recognizes that like romance and relationships are a big part of her life. And like, that's kind of what keeps her sane, whether it be friends or, romantic relationships so you know but Sierra you sounded like you were gonna say something oh I was thinking about even on the last track which I know you don't like but I actually really like saw you in a dream I think it's interesting because when I listen to the song to me it sounds like she's singing about her girlfriend who died because it's like I saw you in a dream you remained the same Hmm. Um, and she talks about like that experience of like having this dream kind of recognizing that she's dreaming and trying to stay in it because she knows this is kind of like her way of experiencing that again and that it's something that's like 
sweet and enjoyable for her to be able to have that in a dream and hoping that like this could happen again and I think back I know that this is like a very lame comparison like this woman like lost her partner lost her girlfriend but I'm about to compare it to like when I lost my childhood dog it was a long time before I could like talk about him Strider without like tearing up and feeling sad and just feeling the grief of like my dog died you know and like being able to get to the point where like now when I'm with my siblings and we're talking about our dog who was this great dog who we had for 16 years it can be like sweet of like we remember those times fondly and I think that that's kind of like a touchstone of the grieving process of being able to recognize that you're far enough removed that you're able to like remember the good times and not be so like overwhelmed with the grief of how something ended. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's such a cool, Oh, go ahead, Brendan. Oh, I, I just think it's such a cool um, thing to be able to like, to bring her, her narrative full circle by imagining or even experiencing an apparition of somebody that she loved. Cause that's, that kind of thing is the most like, holy cool you know thing that can happen um but also it's it's kind of um she has this quote where she thinks like she says maybe it's really nice that I get to think about her every day because she sings a song every day but it's it's therapy but it's also emotional torture and so I think like it's an interesting way to look at this this radical this really new meaning that she's found for herself of like making songs that she gets to use as therapy but it's also that doesn't make it easier you know like that she has to relive the loss every single time she sings through the album and I think it's the same for anybody who has their own story of loss is like you share the story it's your pearl that you give to people you know to 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 connect because we all have lost something even if it's you know any any kind of you know any kind of loss and so it's neat to be able to like if I I read I read it like a grief book you know and I just really like that that's kind of how it crescendos into this old song that she wrote but she covers in an acoustic way because she thinks it fits perfect in the album and I just love when an artist is willing to like say this is I need to include this song in this album even though I've already released it because it fits so well Yeah. And I think that that's something that's super interesting about the Japanese house and about Amber Bain herself is, um, yeah, that intersection between like her storytelling and her music and what that means for her. And I was listening to an interview that she gave where she talked about how as a musician, you know, at a certain point, singing your music becomes your job. And so there are times when she talks about like in concerts, she's up there and she's performing, but really she's thinking about like, man, I'm kind of hungry, or maybe I should like check out that bar that I saw in town, like after this, maybe that would be cool. And like thinking about other things, but that there's certain points, especially in this album where like, she still gets emotional and she can't help but think about like what the song's about or like what inspired that line. And I think, yeah, it is such a gift, but that's also like so taxing. And I know that before her girlfriend died, she actually had a song that um, referenced drowning. And um, then her girlfriend died by drowning. And I know that she like 
took that out of um, her rotation of songs that she would perform because it was so painful to people to have people think that she was like insensitively singing about drowning when really it had nothing to do with that on the timeline and I think that that's also a really interesting part of like where things fit but also where things like become painful with time and where maybe you need to take a step back and be like you know what this this no longer fits my narrative or this isn't right for me anymore well do we have any other songs or lyrics that we'd like to hit on before we uh move into our one big uh, <laughs> i have it written down here recommendationo <laughs> <laughs> any 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 last words on um, the Japanese house before we move into our recommendations yeah so my all-time favorite track on this album that we haven't touched on that much is Lilo Lilo that's not a word that we use in America so I'm not exactly sure how to pronounce it but I love that track I think that it's so beautiful I think that it's so well constructed and I know that that track spanned like prior to her new relationship ending and after it had ended. And I think that it, it really does feel like the median of this album to me. And you like hear that shift, but also in the music video, she's still friends with her ex. So if you watch the music video, which is beautifully produced, stunning visuals, it she has her ex-girlfriend star in that music video with her which is just insane. That's so crazy and so vulnerable and so raw. And I think that that's one of the things that I really love about the Japanese house and about Amber is like her willingness to go there and to be that vulnerable, like with her audience, that it's not a produced vulnerability. It's not someone else's narrative. She's singing about her own experience and she's telling her own story. And I think that storytelling and music and art is so powerful and that track especially really encompasses that for me i i also love um i'm gonna call it lilo because that's what she calls it for people who don't know a lilo is like a blow-up mattress so imagine a, a blow-up mattress on a lake or a, a small body of water hitting the sides just going where the wind takes it i think it's a beautiful metaphor i think that it uh definitely evokes my own emotions um, just because like, yeah, sometimes you find yourself in life just like floating and you kind of think that you know where you're going, but you really don't. And yep. sometimes it's, it's accepting that you're just going to let the world take you where it may. And sometimes it's kind of trying to fight against the current. And hmm. I don't know if she exactly gets to the, I guess the bridge is floating like a lilo with you, going where the tide goes, floating like a lilo with you, going yeah. where the tide goes. So I I don't know if she comes to a resolution, but I, I love the metaphor and I love yep. the the imagery. It reminds yep. me it reminds me of a day spent at a porcupine dam on a float, <laughs> just <laughs> going where the going where the water takes yeah. you and kind of yeah. floating through life. Yeah, and it's the perfect metaphor for acceptance, you know, like that's what she's found in through her new relationships. There's this flow that can happen in relationships where things just start melding and you're fully present to each other, you know, and, and it happens. And, and I think that's what the, the emotions kind of being evoked in the lyrics and in the, the sound on the song. 
but I also think that it's it's a really interesting um, thing that she's accepting. Like, like to me, the line that kind of captures her argument um, is, "And life was just a ritual." Like, she's kind of lost like the I the holding on of life having any meaning, right? That's her thing that she's accepted is that like life kind of has no meaning, right? And so I think, but also she's embracing new meaning of floating, which is kind of, so it's kind of an interesting flip because she's saying, well, life doesn't, but I'm going to have it with you and we're just going to float, you know, together. And so like, to me, that's the, that's the kind of flip on the song we're talking about is where she's switching from like the meaninglessness or even the loss of the meaning from her previous life to switching into this new meaning of like flowing together, going with the wind. Um, and to me, like, like that's the album's real, um, and like she's using the word love to describe that. And I think that's to me, like, I have to go back full circle. That's what I meant. I found in grad school and communication was just like this idea of like meaning making. Like, that's what this whole, that's what art's about. It's about making sense and meaning of our loss or whatever experiences we are. And I think it's great. I think it's a great song that kind of touches on a few of those ideas yeah and kind of kind of to wrap it up uh, on that point like it might be corny to say but like you kind of hear some people say sometimes like there really is no meaning in life but you have to find the things in life that give you meaning so I think that that's what she's probably trying to do. And maybe she has found it. Maybe she will lose it again. Maybe that's what life is, is just cyclical of finding things that give you life and then having them taken away. But then the cycle repeats itself and you find meaning again. So you have to take that with what you will. <laughs> yeah, I totally well, agree. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Blake. Um, again, only song I didn't really enjoy was um, Saw You in a Dream, but that's just personal preference. Like, anytime I say I don't like a song, I'm nowhere near the arbiter of taste <laughs> in music. So, you know, everyone can like what they like. And like you said, uh, Sierra, with like liking Taylor Swift, like, it's okay to like things. <laughs> it doesn't yeah. make you any less of a person. So not, I think that that's one of my big lessons that I've learned in adulthood is like it's not uncool to like things and shaming people for liking things is just as long as the things that they like don't harm anyone else let's use that as a big <laughs> yeah 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 as long as you're not harming yourself or others like whatever you want to like I think yeah. that that's cool find your own yeah. meaning in life and um, write some songs about it maybe paint a picture about it who knows well I thought that was a, a great album for us to listen to. Great discussion. So thank you again, Sierra, for, for recommending it to us. Um, we're going to move into our recommendations of our own. Um, does anyone want to go first? I have one ready if anyone doesn't. Lead out, Brendo. Okay. My recommendation, um, I along with being in an album club, I'm also in a film club. Um, I have a very uh, entertaining life. 
Um, and last night we talked about all of the award <laughs> season movies and it sparked me to watch the movie Sound of Metal on Amazon Prime starring Riz Ahmed. Um, it is, honestly, this isn't spoiling anything. Like there's not much to spoil about the movie, but it is a portrayal of a recovering addict and heavy metal drummer who goes deaf and he has to come to terms with his um, condition. I don't want to say disability because people in the deaf community don't see it as a disability. And that is actually a, a huge plot point in the movie. Um, but it is, it's super gripping. Um, Riz gives a, an incredible performance. I thought that the, like the sound design of the movie, that's like one thing that sticks with a lot of people is that like when they, they like distort a lot of sound they kind of put you in uh, the main character's shoes and whatever he hears, you hear, or whatever he doesn't hear, you don't hear. So um, the the sound in the movie is almost like a character in and of itself. And I, I thought it was a really cool movie. I don't know if it's like my personal fave of the year. I still think Nomadland um, was my favorite movie that came out last year. But if you haven't seen Sound of Metal, it's a really, really good movie. And Riz Ahmed should, should win a lot of awards because I, I love him as an actor. Um, Sierra Wise, would you like to give us your recommendation? Yes. So I think something that I've been really trying to work on this year is making sure that I'm diversifying the media that I'm taking in and making sure that I'm like celebrating and enjoying art and music from artists of all different backgrounds, but especially from Black artists and Black musicians. Um, and so I have gotten way into this album and this group called the Pitch Black Brass Band. And it's a group of Black musicians who have gotten together and most of the album was written through improvisation and them like playing off of each other. But it has all of these like very cool sounds and like influences that are very traditional to the Black community. So they have like brass instruments and jazz and there's rapping and like it's so cool it's just so well put together and so interesting and it's just been cool to feel like I can learn more about black history through music and that album is like a really great place to kind of get a taste for a bunch of different musicians a bunch of different artists a bunch of different styles all kind of through one journey that's really cool I'll have to check it out yeah, I'll send it to you. Um, like very, yes. I heard yeah, one of the musicians interviewed on a podcast and that's how I found them. But I think they deserve way more recognition because they're crazy talented. Cool. Take okay. it away, Blake. Yeah, I, I couldn't <laughs> tell if I was frozen or not. Yeah, take so it away. I also have a movie recommendation this week. Um, Mine is from Netflix. It's called My Octopus Teacher. I don't know if either of you have seen it. Um, but it's this it's this document. It's a nature documentary, which I've, I'm not really a nature documentary person. Um, I watched Planet Earth as a child and was very bored, but I, you know, I still find it compelling sometimes. To like, But anyway, this, this film, um, it's this Australian man who um, gets, he's a burned out filmmaker. Um, and so to try to reconnect and find some new purpose um, in his life, he starts diving, which was his passion when he was a child. And then he has this encounter with an octopus. 
um, and decides to continue going back to this same diving spot to like film this octopus and um, they habituate to each other. And it is the most compelling, um, I don't, I'm not really, I don't, I've never owned pets or anything or, you know, really ever had a bond with anything but a human. And it just, it was, it brought me to tears. It was really amazing. And so I think it's worth going to, to, to watch the documentary just to see like how, how in this earth we are, um, which is the whole point of those nature documentaries. So I'm glad that I found one that I could embrace. <laughs> that sounds like such a cool premise. I, I've heard of that, but I didn't know exactly what it was about, but that kind of a lame amazing. name, but yeah <laughs> my octopus teacher yeah it's I, it's very literal <laughs> yeah yeah this is a very sciencey literal man you know it's a, i'm not surprised that he named it kind of you know he could have found something better but uh, very good <laughs> amazing top shelf well i'm definitely uh gonna watch that this weekend and uh and listen to the band that sierra recommended because mm-hmm. those are both really good recommendations um well, y'all, we we find ourselves at the end of another episode. But before we before we leave, I wanted to give a shout out to Sierra. Like we've mentioned, kind of throughout this uh, episode, she's a really great artist, and she has a clothing line um, where she flips vintage clothing with a, um, I would say, like empowering messages and imagery. Um, maybe focused on social justice. I don't know if if all of your pieces um, focus on that or civil rights, but maybe Sierra, give yourself a plug. I know that you have an upcoming uh, line coming out. So, so maybe give us a little sneak peek of, of what you got cooking up yeah, or just that, about that the, or just a, intro <laughs> or just about the brand in general. Oh yeah. That's so nice. So my, um, my brand is Fendi Cal. Um, I do clothing. I do prints. I do stickers. I have some other cool products like enamel pins coming to my shop very soon. Um, But yeah, I have a a drop coming up, a collection. It's a restock event. So these are um, a couple of designs that have been very highly requested by people who have bought from me before. Um, And yeah, I would say that most of my designs are focused on social justice, but I really just try to make things that I would wanna wear or things that I think should exist in the world. And I'm a pretty opinionated snarky person. And so I think that sometimes that comes through in my designs, but it's great to have a space where I can do that and take a message that I believe in like ladylike as hell or all bodies are good bodies and put it on some clothing so that other people can wear it and feel that message too. Yeah, and I love that I love that it's vintage clothing repurposed. Um, the fashion industry is awful for our planet. And as someone who um, has bought a lot of clothes in their life, and you know, I will try to make a conceited effort into the future to not buy as many um, things from certain brands and whatnot. But I do think that it's cool. And I think that like upcycling and taking advantage of uh, vintage clothing is a, a great practice if you're going to start a fashion brand. So props to you is. for doing it right. Thank <laughs> you. And not all of my pieces are vintage, but the pieces that aren't, like in this drop that's coming up, um, I purchased blanks 
but the blanks that I'm using are made out of organic cotton and they were sewn by unionized workers in the United States um, for the t-shirts and then for the sweatshirts. Again, they're made in the US out of recycled materials so that it's as low impact on the planet as possible. And also so that I can guarantee that it wasn't sewn by people who were not compensated fairly or by children because I'm not cool with that. And if people want to learn more about the dangers of the fast fashion industry, either for the impact on the planet or the human life impact of the people who are sewing your clothing, go watch the documentary, The True Cost. And I promise it'll be the last time you ever shop at H&M or Forever 21 because fast mm. fashion really is killing our planet and it's killing people. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Do you put a little Made in America tag on your... <laughs> <laughs> I should made in America except for then flag. if it's like a vintage piece and it says like made in India on the inside people will be like yeah. confused by this messaging but uh, <laughs> repur- repurposed in America but yeah I just wanted to give you a shout out on that because I think it's really cool I haven't bought anything personally because I don't know if you sell men's but Jess has bought some of your prints um, and I think that they're really cool. I'm happy that they're hanging in our house. So oh, that makes me so happy that they're hanging in your house. <laughs> yes. I think they'll eventually expand to have more, everything's unisex, but I think a lot of my messaging because I'm a woman, definitely like, I feel like I make things that I would want to wear. So a lot of them are pretty <laughs> feminine. Not that you have to be identify as a woman to wear things that are feminine, but I understand that it doesn't oh, yeah. appeal to all men. But one day I'll expand out a little more because even sometimes Emilio will tell me, he's like, I'd love to wear some stuff that you make, but I just like, it's not really <laughs> like a ladylike as hell t-shirt probably isn't like his aesthetic, you know? <laughs> yeah, the, pers- the personal style sometimes doesn't match with the message, but I still think all the clothes are rad. And as someone who's mm-hmm. wearing a pair of lilac socks, um, you know, people people should wear what makes them feel comfortable, so. Yeah, shout out to you for back to cool like shit. what you want to like. It's not a yeah. like things. No, it's not <laughs> at all. Like what you like. Well, y'all, this has been really fun. Um, Sierra, great chatting with you. Hope the drop goes well. And um, yeah, we will see you guys in the next episode. This has been episode 11, the big one one. Oh, wow. Wow. All right. Thanks so much for having me. This was so fun. Yeah, yeah come back. <laughs> Yeah, we'll have to have you back.